It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, August 18th, as we look to recap UFC 252, Miocic versus Cormier 3. Uh, should be a good one for you here today. We'll also uh, wrap the show. Uh, might be a little little bit of a longer one here, because uh, a lot to talk about here at 252, but um, we'll also end the show um, talking about uh, some recent developments with the sport of Major League Baseball and uh, the uh, the controversy, or uh, I suppose it's more proper to say the non-troversy, um, about Fernando Tati Jr. and his uh, Grand Slam home run on a 3-0 pitch count. Um, completely irrelevant, but we'll talk about it just because people are making a big deal about it. And uh, most people are, you know what, actually most people are pretty logical about it, but there's definitely some idiots, some dunderheads out there with some uh, some really stupid unwritten rules type stuff going on. So we'll, we'll dispel that, which I could dispel it in 15 seconds right now, but I'm not going to blow my load prematurely here on the show. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll start here with UFC 252. Um, I don't believe we have any housekeeping uh, to get to other than... Uh, you really should check out NorthStarSports.media. Um, we post UFC rankings uh, the night of the fights. I guess technically the early morning of the fights because they normally come out around midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. But um, we do have fresh rankings for the UFC um, in the wake of uh, UFC 252. And um, there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of changes. So it's, it's quite interesting. You should go check it out. Pretty cool stuff from uh, North Star Sports. Um, oh, I also got to say, yep, uh, shout out to uh, Drew Peterson. Uh, he's going with the Fireman now, which, uh, you know, I respect that. That's a solid That's a solid nickname. That's a good arch nemesis for uh, the mailman. A lot of puns you could make with the Fireman. But, um, yeah, he won. He won. Um, I believe it was 50-47 he won. So he broke my four-fight unbeaten streak. Uh, two title defenses. I'll probably put up, I mean, we've only had five to this point, but I think I'm going to start a, a record column um, and just update it every single fight if a record's broken, you know what I mean? So, uh, like, longest title defense and, and most wins and things like this, you know, because ultimately, ultimately, ultimately I'd like it to be a four-person league at a minimum, uh, but this is future stuff. So, yep, you know what I mean? It's it's whatever. I mean, I know I'm getting the title back. I know I'm getting the North Star Sports Money Weight title back this Saturday. Um, just was a tough performance. Like we said on the main card showdown, I mean, we had very similar picks. Uh, we got a lot of picks wrong as well, which kind of stinks. I'm kind of kind of on a, a slump. I know this is, well, it's kind of related, but yeah, holy shit. My picks have been trash the last couple of, the last couple of fights. So I really, and what scares me is that, I'm just jumping everywhere here, but what scares me is looking forward the next like three or four fight cards, up until 253, headlined by um, Skeeny and Costa, um, all the cards up till that point are going to be kind of garbage, to be honest. So that scares me, because I have I have a tough time picking garbage fights. Um, so my, my 
percentage on the year is still 62.3, which, I mean, that's good. You know, I'm getting more than 50%. I mean, it'd be really embarrassing if it was below 50, because then that's just a fucking coin flip, you know what I mean? But I was kind of shooting for 70. I don't think I'm going to hit 70 this year. I know there's still four months to go, but fuck me, you know what I mean? Like, you pick 11 correct out of 13, and you only bump up, like, not even a half of a percent, so... Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 2021, that'll be the goal to get to 70. But we had a really bad start to the year. Um, never been below 500, thankfully, but we've had a, a slow start to the year. And then, uh, man, we were blazing. Like, the 11 correct out of 13 was 251. Dude, we were on fire for that one. On fire. The one before that, Poirier and Hooker, we went 8-2. and two. Um, You know what I mean? Benavidez and, and Figueredo too, nine and three. Like we were really good, but the last couple of ones, fuck, we've been bad. Three and three and five for Brunson and Shabazian, seven and five for Lewis and Olenek. Which, listen, I'm not gonna sit here and you know fucking dance that I went seven and five on that one. But you know, considering we went three and five the one before that, I'll take it. And then five and six, five and six for the last one. So, fuck me, dude. Like I thought. I mean, we'll get to it, you know what I mean? But when, like, a Herbert Burns loses to a Daniel Pineda, you're like, fuck me, dude. Like, I don't know. I felt really good about putting money on fights a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. But, oh, man, I don't know. It's tough picking fights, dude. It really is. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll win the belt back, but uh, props to him. Uh, he, he won it. About time he wins one, you know what I mean? We've been doing it for a while, so uh, fair fair play to him. Um I think that's all the housekeeping I had to get to. Kind of jumped around a little bit there, but uh, we'll get back here to UFC 252. So we'll start with uh, the main event here. So Stipe Miacic wins a unanimous decision over Daniel Cormier. I believe it was 49-46 on all three scorecards. Maybe there was a 48-47. Yeah, just a tough fight. I mean, this is why this is why picking fights is really fucking hard. You know what I mean? Because MMA is so random. It's these are the highest level guys. Like it's not. It's it's all things considered, it's relatively easy to pick like a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Uh, it's relatively easy to pick like um, uh, a Western Conference Final series in in the NBA. But when it comes to MMA, man, it, it's really life or death. It's it's hardly a sport. You know what I mean? And it's tough because, like I said. Sometimes you got to go with the gut feeling, and that's kind of what I've been trying to to work out is using my brain, using stats, but also using gut feeling. So, like, the perfect example was 250. I picked Garbrandt to win over a Sun Sow. Now, logically, I wouldn't fault anybody for, for going for going with a Sun Sow over Garbrandt. A Sun Sow has been a mainstay in the division for 10 years, very tough, has wins over, like, a TJ Dillashaw. Um, I think it went over Marlon Marais. So a very a very tough guy, and you look at Cody conversely, a guy who was on a three fight losing streak, but we know how the fight played out. But again, I couldn't fault you for using your noggin and and logically going with a sunsau, but that logic did you no good because sometimes the sport just has so many variabilities, um, variabilities variables. Um, actually, I think both would have been correct. Um, very early in the morning here, I'm gonna take another sip of coffee so I can uh, regroup. 
Oh, that's good. But um, yeah, there's so many variables that it, it's really hard to, to kind of tell. I mean, so many factors could be in favor of one fighter, but Jesus, they break their foot in the cage or something, or there's an iPod. I, I mean, I'm just saying that. I'm not saying that necessarily because of this fight, I'll, but I'll get to that. But, you know, point being, there's a litany of things that could go wrong. So I look at Daniel Cormier knocking out Stipe Miacic in the first fight. Clear, decisive victory for DC. I look at DC losing, not Stipe winning, DC losing the second fight, a fight in which he was largely winning until the last couple of minutes and then made several mistakes which led to his loss. So going into the trilogy, I go, well, Stipe has pretty much lost every single minute of this fight. Uh, I'm going to go with DC. Why would things change? And I, I can't say... I mean, I know it's me, so I'm defending myself here, so I might be a little biased, but I can't say I was wrong to think that. It's just sometimes there's so many... I mean, listen, I'm taking the fat L, you know what I mean? It, it, it counts as a loss on my, on my record, you know what I mean? On my pick record, which you can find at northstarsports.media forward slash picks. Um, you know what I mean? So it, 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 it's in the record book here. I can't defend it. It's still a loss, but you know what I mean? That's, it's, sometimes this, this sport's very tricky to pick, but uh, props to Stipe. Um, it's kind of weird because Stipe is now the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, but yet probably 75% of the talk surrounding this fight is still around DC. And I mean, kind of rightfully so, but rightfully not. You know what I mean? Stipe, he's the heavyweight goat. He's the heavyweight goat. And he's the, he's the heavyweight goat of all time, of all time. Not just, not just UFC. Name me a better heavyweight. You, you might be able to name me a better heavyweight in their prime, but named me a better heavyweight which even then I still might contend. But, you know, name me a better heavyweight legacy-wise. Fuck, man, I don't know. <laughs> We've been over this the last several shows, but, you know, Fedor? Okay, I mean, back when the sport was, you know, less developed and he was taking on Hongman Choi every other fight, like, I don't know, man. He's definitely one of the greatest of all time, but is he, though? Is he, is he better than Stipe? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Um, but it, it was a close fight. It was a, a decisive win for Stipe, but I can't say, I can't say it wasn't competitive. It was competitive, even though Stipe definitely had more moments, more bigger moments. Um, <clears throat> uh, obviously I thought he won 49-46, uh, and that should tell you something. I'm a huge DC fan, obviously was rooting for DC to win this one. Um, I would say DC won the first round. Although not by a lot. Again, it was very close. And then the next four rounds, in my mind, Stipe won them. Uh, I know some people are making the argument that DC won round four. And maybe he did. I, I haven't gone back and watched the fight, so I'm not going to say you're wrong for thinking that. Either way, even if you think DC won rounds one and rounds four, it, you know, it's still a 48-47 loss. Um, but a tough way to go out. But I do respect DC for saying, uh, you know, uh, I'm done. Which is a smart thing to do because... I, I think I put out a tweet, but I mean, Jesus, nobody, nobody leaves this sport on top. DC probably came the closest. Um, there are a couple of people who will see how their careers end. Um, but holy shit, man, nobody leaves on the top, dude. Nobody leaves on the top. DC came, I mean, losing in a title fight that, I mean, that's, that's probably the way to do it if you're not going to go out on top, you know what I mean? Even like a Kenny Florian losing in the featherweight title fight, I believe, before he retired, the fight with Aldo. 
I mean, obviously, I'm sure he would have wished he, he could have been a, a UFC champ. But, I mean, Jesus, at least he didn't go out on a seven-fight losing streak. Uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, DC almost did it, man. I commend him. I commend him because, you know, he used the examples of going out on top like um, like a Peyton Manning, which is a good example. But, listen, Peyton Manning had 52 other teammates who were also very good that year. You know what I mean? And it wasn't all – I mean, he barely – I mean, well – he played like half the season. Osweiler played, you know, like half the season as well. Um, but yeah, dude, it doesn't happen. The only person, and this person might ruin it, but he also might make it a million times better, is GSP. That dude's the only motherfucker to ever leave this sport. <clears throat> Jesus, my voice just aged like 40 years there. Ah, still early in the morning. And by early in the morning, I mean 1.20 uh, in the afternoon. Um, but GSP, GSP is the only guy to ever leave the sport on top. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had a couple of losses, but he avenged them. Um, but even then, man, you could argue GSP didn't leave on top the first time. I mean, in the record books he did, but a lot of people thought Johnny Hendricks won that fight. So, you know what I mean? Arguably, GSP, you know, he didn't go out on top. I mean, in the record books he did, but then he comes back and wins a middleweight title and, you know, leaves on on top as a champion um he might ruin that if he goes down to 155 because then he might not go out on top but he also might go out as the greatest fighter of all time if he becomes the first ever three division ufc champ and even even if even if he comes back to the ufc and loses in a lightweight title bout you know jesus like three years later to to khabib nobody's gonna fault him for it but i'm just saying he wouldn't leave, leave on top he'd leave on a loss um, but to leave out, to leave on a W and to leave as the champ, holy shit, dude. Khabib might be able to do that. Khabib might be able to do that. But even then, dude, he's got to get through Gaethje. And then, I guess, you know, we presume GSP, but, you know, maybe Connor, maybe maybe Tony wins a couple of fights and then, you know, faces him, uh, you know, in the middle of next year or something. Who knows? But um, he's still going to have a murderer's row to try to get through. Uh, and I'd... I mean, I, personally, I think Gaethje's going to win that fight with Khabib, but I wouldn't fault you for thinking Khabib would win that. He's fucking undefeated. But either way, it's still going to be a very tough road to get there, but he's very close to doing it. John Jones, who knows how long he has before he retires, but probably he probably has several years before he retires, but he's undefeated. Obviously just vacated the title, which we'll talk about tomorrow. Um, but he might be able to do it. But other than that, dude, fucking nobody does it, dude. Like... I'm pulling up a list of UFC champs here. Nobody leaves on the top. You could leave kind of gracefully, but, bro, the sport's going to get you. The sport's going to get you. Cain Velasquez. A lot of people say Cain Velasquez in his prime is the best UFC heavyweight champ of all time. Dude, he left. Well, I'm not going to say on the bottom, but he left on a loss. Like, he left with his knee exploded, getting knocked out by Francis Ngannou in, like, 40 seconds in his home state. You know what I mean? That's... That's that's fucking tough. Every pretty much everybody, um, uh, Randy Couture left. Um, I want to say at UFC 117, certainly getting knocked out by Leota Machida. Uh, Tito Ortiz, need I say more? Chuck Liddell left. You know, getting knocked out in his last like fucking five fights. Rashad Evans, low key Rashad Evans, one of the one of the uh, you know better UFC fighters. I guess he te- technically doesn't have a title defense, but Rashad was fucking king for a while. You know what I mean? Even if he wasn't the champ. Dude, that dude left the sport. I gotta pull it up, man, because it's ridiculous. 
He left on a five-fight losing streak. Dude, he was losing decisions to Daniel Kelly and Sam Alvey. You know what I mean? Like, fuck. And then his final fight was a KO knockout um, by knee from, from Anthony Smith. So, like, nobody leaves the sport. And probably because, like, most people... I mean, you lose once and you want to get that one back and you think you can do it, but this is not... This is not Major League Baseball where you can hang around for four years after your prime and your stats might not be good. You might be hitting 230, but uh, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I can still hit in the majors. It's not bad. I'm not getting punched in the fucking head. But in this, God, man, you're, you're, you're messing with your health. And DC, I mean, props to him, I guess. You know what I mean? In the sense, I know he has two losses in a row, but, you know, they're both title fights to, you know, the greatest heavyweight of all time. But, but that's about as graceful as champs leave. Bisping getting knocked out twice in a month. You know what I mean? Which was kind of his fault for taking that stupid short notice fight versus Kelvin Gastelum um, in China. But you know what I mean? Bisping, I mean, that's he's top five. I think he's still top five in, in UFC wins for UFC wins. Luke Rockhold, the guy he took the, the title from, didn't go super great for him. You know what I mean? Had a couple of knockout losses. Fuck, we're seeing it with Tyron Woodley. Uh, it's not going so great for him. Lawler. Um, I mean, Lawler's not getting knocked out, but he is losing, uh, you know, quite a lot of fights. BJ Penn, probably the most notorious ongoing, uh, you know, losing streak. Dude, BJ Penn hasn't won since, like, 2012. You know what I mean? Um, so, nobody leaves this sport. The sport will... Whatever you take from the sport... It's going to come right back at you, dude. It's going to come right back at you. It, it, I would commend somebody, but it would take so much restraint. For, like, DC... DC, if he retired after the... After either of these two fights, after beating Miocic the first time, or after defending the belt against Lewis, I probably would have just fucking retired, dude. You know what I mean? But that's so tough, because you still have so much money-earning potential. I mean, the Brock Lesnar fight was out there. You know what I mean? Even the rematch with Miocic, I'm sure he got paid a handsome fucking penny for that. But to leave on top, dudes just don't have the restraint. And I can't fucking blame them, dude. You're leaving paychecks out there, but you're also playing with your health a little bit. So, I mean, as much... Listen, I would love to see Khabib fight until he was 38. Because I think that dude could set a lot of records. I think he could set a lot of records. But if he does retire after beating Gaethje and beating GSP, which are two major ifs, uh, dude, I'd fucking commend him. Because that dude clearly doesn't care about money. He cares about legacy and, you know, being a solid dude and stuff like that. I, I'd commend him because we've never seen someone that dominant just be like, uh, I think I've had enough. I'm going to get out before the sport gets me. So... Props to DC. I mean, he's still one of the greatest of all time. I know a lot of people are saying he's in that second tier of all-time greats. Uh, I disagree. I disagree. So uh, we, we talked about the MMA Mount Rushmore, and I, I had DC as my number four uh, on the Mount Rushmore. Um, he is off the Mount Rushmore right now. He's not a top four fighter of all time in my mind after that loss to Stipe. He would have been if he won. That's how finicky to be a top four fighter of all time is um he's still a top eight so if if there was a mount rushmore for people left off the mount rushmore he'd be on mount rushmore you know what i mean as fucking stupid as that sounds but he's still you know i would say 
the all-time tier is probably top 10. To be an all-time fighter, it's the top 10. I don't think I don't think just being on the Mount Rushmore uh, makes you an all-time fighter. I think there's probably a couple who, who would get left out of the top four because that's quite a high benchmark to set. But, I mean, listen, for whatever you want to say about DC, he still was... He still was a champion in the two hardest divisions to become champion. And I understand that welterweight is deeper. I understand lightweight is historically deep. But I guess what I mean when I say that is... So... (coughs) Excuse me. Getting choked up here. So sad that DC lost. Um, but, But I guess what I mean here is that... Historically, you look at the light heavyweight division. That has always has always, and I think will always continue to be, the glamour division in the UFC. You look at the best, most, I don't, I don't, necessarily, I don't necessarily want to say dominant because the belt changes hands historically pretty often in that division. Obviously, John Jones has kind of settled that down over the last, you know, nine years and some change. But some of the greatest champions of all time have come from the light heavyweight division. Just legendary champs. Chuck Liddell, um, John Jones, DC is, is one of them. Um, it, it's tough to say some of these guys are legendary because a lot of them don't have title defenses, but when you look at what they did outside of a UFC title, there's still some of the, the, the all-time legends of the sport in the UFC, like Machida, Evans, Rampage Jackson, guys like this. So I would say... The light heavyweight division historically has been the deepest division when you look at the totality of its existence. So that's the glamour division in the UFC. And DC was a, a longtime champ. In you know, and listen, I understand the whole John Jones situation, but he was a longtime champ, re- relatively all things relative. He was a long longtime champ in that division because you look at a lot of re- you look at a lot of champs who we revere, like a uh, Forrest Griffin. Or uh, you know a, a Machida or an Evans or you know guys I've I've mentioned, uh, they don't have quite the title defenses DC has, you know what I mean? And he had some fucking wars. He had some some real good performances um, in in the UFC as, as champ. But then also being the heavyweight champ, it's the baddest man on the planet for a reason. That's a, a major accomplishment. So you know, in no way am I demeaning these two divisions um, because they're very good divisions. Certainly right now they are, but like. To be a light heavyweight and heavyweight double champ means a hell of a lot more than to be a bantamweight and featherweight double champ. They're both tremendously impressive. Tremendously impressive. But, listen, these are the two toughest divisions to to win in. Uh, he was also the first to defend both titles. So, he, he's an all-time great. He's still in that first tier. In that first tier. He's not a second tier. There's no fucking way you could convince me DC's a second tier guy. Now... The shitty thing with DC is he, he, you know, I see a lot of people using the term he was always the bridesmaid, never the bride, but that's not even really that true because he's been champ in both divisions, but I understand what they mean by that. He, I think a better way to put it is he never was the man in his division. So he was champ. He was double champ. He did defend him, but he never quite was the man the man at, in the light heavyweight division because John Jones beat him twice. Now, I know one's a no contest, 
But John Jones beat him twice. So DC's a fucking legend. A legend. The second best fighter of all time, certainly in the light heavyweight division in, in, in the entire sport. But, ah, he happened to be fighting at the exact same time where the best, the best fighter was also in that division. Same with heavyweight. He was a heavyweight champ. He was he was very, very good. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, top five heavyweight of all time. Who, who fucking knows? Just a very good heavyweight of all, of all time. But he has two losses to Stipe. He never quite was the man in the heavyweight division. So that sucks. But again, you, you hate to judge somebody by their losses, but when you're at, at this high of a level, you, you kind of can't help but judge people by their losses, at least, you know, partially. Dude, technically he has, th- he has three losses. We all know he has four losses. They're to two of the best fighters of all time. He has two losses to the greatest fighter of all time, John Jones, literally the greatest of all time. And then he has two losses to the greatest heavyweight of all time. Okay, so that <clears throat> that means that DC is not the greatest fighter of all time, and it also means DC is not the greatest heavyweight of all time. But it doesn't mean he's a fucking schlub. It just means he's one step below the greatest of all time and the greatest in that division. So you know what I mean? It's not like he fucking lost to, and again, no disrespect to any of, any of these guys, but it's not like he lost to Rumble. You know what I mean? It's not like he lost to Volkan, where we have to sit here and go, well, DC was a double champ, but he. He did have that weird fight where he lost to Volkan. Never fucking happened. Never fucking happened. You know what I mean? So he's still he's still an all-time great. Don't be distracted by his losses. They they factor in, no doubt. But th- th- this guy certainly is one of the greatest of all time. Not a Mount Rushmore guy, but damn near close. Second team all Mount Rushmore. I guess is I guess is what we'll call it. You know what I mean? But fuck me, a war with Gustafsson. Uh, you know, beating Rumble Johnson twice. I mean, one of the scariest. I mean, I, I'm so excited about Rumble coming back on a side note, but I was going back and looking at his career, and I've looked through his highlights, obviously, many times. But, dude, he, Rumble doesn't win. Rumble doesn't knock people out TKO style. No, no, no. He fucking kills people. Rumble kills people. Look, dude, look at what he did to Nog. Look at what he did to little Nog. Just fucking killed him. Just killed him. Look at what he did to Glover. Just killed him. Just straight up killed him. Put him down like a stray dog. Like, you know what I mean? He beat him twice, but he made it look so easy that I I don't think we respect those victories as much. He had the weird fight on short notice where he beat Anderson Silva. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's a weird situation. I don't fault DC for how that played out. The war with Gustafson. But dude, Dan Henderson. Oh, just one of the greatest of all time. Like, Dan Henderson's done everything. I know he's got a fair amount of losses on his record. He's also got a fair amount of wins on his record. But... He also stuck around probably a little too long, but... Oh, Dan Henderson, the guy who's been a champ in every single fucking organization, essentially, except for the UFC. So, like, you know, he's got a lot... Frank Mir was a former champ. I mean... I'm not going to sit here and glow, just gl- absolutely glow about Volkan Uzdemir, but, you know, Volkan did not knock out a couple of people in, in pretty spectacular fashion before he became uh, the title challenger there, so... I'm not going to sit here. If I'm listing a top five performances from DC's career, I'm certainly not list- listing Volkan Uzdemir, but, I mean, he knocked out, uh, fuck, who was it? Jimmy Manawa and Misha Serkinov, both in under 30 seconds. So, you know what I mean? Like, I know his hype's kind of cooled down a little bit, but, you know, no time was a real thing at that point. 
And then obviously the win over Stipe. So, I mean, never had the win over Jones, but the win over Stipe. Derek Lewis. I mean, Derek Lewis, I understand he's not a very good grappler. So, you know, it's a little weird, you know, when we talk about Derek Lewis and, and what his legacy means. But he does have the most knockouts in UFC heavyweight history. So, you beat it. You beat a guy who, in a certain category, is an all-time fighter. So, uh, sad to see DC go. Um, I can't help but wonder if we didn't have to wait so long for the trilogy if DC wouldn't have won. Now, props to Stipe, because he made adjustments. I really think him losing for, I mean, what was it? The first fight lasted, like, four minutes. The other one was, like, 20. So, like, 25 minutes of, of fighting going into that trilogy fight. I mean, Stipe lost damn near every second, every second of both those fights, but he, that helped him, he fucking learned a lot, I mean, he, he was kind of making DC look a little silly in the clinches, you know, that, that photo where he's driving his forearm up into DC's throat, and obviously DC's 5'11", Stipe's 6'4", so when he's driving that forearm up, I mean, you know, he's trying to turn Daniel Cormier's neck into a, you know, a fucking slurpy straw, he's, you know, he's, he's pulling so hard, um, but I don't know, I mean, I'm not saying DC didn't have his moments, and obviously the eye poke factors in a little bit, although, you know, it's not lost on me that DC has had a fair amount of eye pokes in his career, certainly in the trilogy fights with Stipe, I mean, I went back, you know, when on the UFC free fights or whatever the fuck they call them on YouTube and, uh, watched that first fight, uh, you know, I'm not saying DC won that fight because of an eye poke, but he did eye poke Stipe and then like 40 seconds later knocked him out. Um, 40 seconds in, in fight time, because obviously there was the stoppage for the eye poke, but, um, you know, props to Stipe, because there was probably three or four times where Stipe was dominating in the clinch, and then they'd break, and DC would pull the old uh, right hook off the clinch, the, the same right hook off the clinch that won him the belt the first time, and DC just fucking, uh, or Stipe just ate him. He just ate them. Now, they weren't as clean, and I think Stipe was expecting it because, you know, that's his most high-profile loss came from that, from the same fighter. But, you know, there was a couple of times where DC hit him with some heavy fucking shots off the clinch. And, you know, Stipe was just like, nah, you know what I mean? It's not, not going to phase me. So, uh, very sad to see DC go, one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, you, people could learn a lot of lessons inside the octagon and outside the octagon from DC one of the all-time good people. Um, so awesome to see his development, even just from like 2015, eh, 2014 to now. I mean, this was this was the guy who, I don't, I don't know, it's tough. I don't really judge people by, you know, them being on stage because that's not really a typical situation most people find themselves in. But this was the guy who was like, I don't want to say cringe, but like he was just a nice guy. Like, let's not forget, let's go back down memory lane here. People fucking hated DC's guts for a long time, dude. Because, like Uncle Chael says, if the crowd's booing you, don't explain yourself. Don't explain yourself. And that's what DC would do. You know, the uh, uh, John Jones saying, uh, I've been sober for 30 days or 90 days or whatever the fuck. And then DC going, oh, I've been sober my entire life. You know, this is normal stuff people do. Normal people don't crash cars. Crowd boot them. Because you're, you're trying to explain yourself. You're trying to, you know, be a goody two-shoe. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, DC, I would absolutely fucking kill you if you ever did that. Uh, are you still here, pussy? You know, things like this. Like, DC was kind of a punching bag verbally. 
you know what I mean? But but it's really interesting to see once DC started not to give a fuck, dude, he became a legend. He became people loved DC. You know, so the first Jones fight, UFC 182, uh, January of 2015, I want to say, you know, DC was, for lack of a better word, he kind of was a little nerdy, you know what I mean? Kind of let John Jones just kind of dunk on him a little bit. Um, You know, the the like the whole cringe, like, uh, uh, tell him what you told me before. Do you want me to suck your dick or whatever? And he was like, oh, okay, oh, we'll see. It's like, ah, DC, that's normally not what people would would say in that situation. But then, but then by the time the rematch happens, you know, I got a, I got a message for one man and, and shit like that. And um, you keep talking like that, I'll, I'll see you in the, in the streets of Dallas, Texas. Or I, I slapped him with a fucking water bottle because he was talking about my kids. You know, once DC became confident, uh, I, I'm not saying confident in general because I'm sure he was confident you know the, the whole time but once he once he became once he tried to not get people to like him people liked him it's kind of weird how that happens you can kind of see it with John Jones too where we all see through his fake persona and now we respect him for being a villain but you know I don't know it's it's really interesting I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go back and watch a lot of videos from DC because it's it, it's it's an interesting progression career-wise personality-wise you know stuff like this uh, one of the best to ever do it, Daniel Cormier. Uh, and for Stipe, I mean, listen, I don't know how much longer he's going to be doing it, but you got a couple of nice uh, options here with, um, I mean, it's either going to be John Jones or, or Nganu. There's no, I have no interest in seeing Blades. Nganu has earned it far more than Blades has the two head-to-head victories over him. Um, so, I mean, listen, Stipe is going to be in another, another super fight, to be honest, whether or not it's Nganu or Jones. Still going to be another super fight for for Stipe. All right, moving on here because I think our pacing. Yeah, we're 34 minutes into the show and we haven't even gone past the main event. Um, so going to the co-main event here, Marlon Chito Vera knocks out Sean O'Malley uh, late in the first round. Hype train derailed. Hype train derailed. Uh, you know, I, I know I was talking with Drew on the main card showdown and I said. Uh, obviously, I picked O'Malley to win this one. Although I said I, I knew it was going to be a close, tough fight. You know, Cheeto's uh, nobody's punk, but uh, sooner or later, Sean O'Malley will not have a highlight reel knockout performance in in, in every single one of his fights. Eventually, there's going to be a stinker, and this one kind of rolled his foot a little bit. Maybe he got kicked in the foot, and that's what fucked him up. Uh, Vera says he was out and snoring when he was hitting him. Um, I don't know if that was true, and. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was just a fluke injury, um, but a solid win for Vera. A solid win for Vera. Um, I don't. I don't know if you're going to lose. At least it wasn't a KO, because there's no excuses with a KO. If Sean O'Malley actually, if we find out he actually got put to sleep with some of those punches, there's no excuses. But if you could hide behind the injury, you could hide behind an early stoppage. You could hide behind this stuff, so it's not this. This certainly is going to impact Sean O'Malley's career because it is a loss. You know what I mean? And 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 when you lose, it's going to take longer to get to the ultimate destination of winning a title. But there's certain setbacks you could have where you you could just go, eh. You could you could make excuses. I don't think you could make excuses for this one to be honest, uh, just because I, I think you should take a loss like a man. And I'm not saying he didn't. 
Uh, you know what I mean? But there's there's certain ones where, you know, ah, uh, if you're, you know, Nogueira getting brutally KO'd by Rumble Johnson, ah, there's no excuses. You can't you can't say this or that. I mean, you got separated from your consciousness. But um, good win for Vera. I mean, the bantamweight division just keeps getting more and more stacked. I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but we're getting, we're about four... Four or five months away from TJ Dillashaw coming back from suspension. So, uh, you know, Dillashank is coming back to an already maybe the deepest division in the UFC, to be honest. And uh, Marlon Vera gets the, the solid victory. He should be on a seven-fight winning streak because that decision with Song Yang was uh, kind of bullshit. But, um, yeah, I'm not too I'm not too concerned, concerned, to be honest, with Sean O'Malley. Unless it's an injury that's going to keep him out for a long time, then I would be a little concerned. Um, he does seem a little injury prone. Uh, I, I hate to use that word, uh, but he has had two kind of catastrophic injuries uh, in the octagon in his last four fights. Um, now, I hate to use the word injury prone because it is fighting. So, I mean, surprise, surprise, motherfuckers, injuries tend to happen in fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is not baseball. Um, but yeah, that's a little concerning. And uh, Marlon Vera, I know he called out uh, Jimmy Rivera. Um, that's interesting. We'll consult the North Star Sports UFC rankings. Um, so we have Marlon Vera. He moved up from 15 to 14. And Sean O'Malley moves from 14 to unranked. So Sean O'Malley is no longer ranked. Uh, Marlon Vera, I mean, uh, Jimmy's a pretty fucking big step up for Marlon Vera. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we have Jimmy at number seven in the bantamweight division. I would say, you know what one stands out to me? I don't know if this guy has a fight upcoming, um, so I'm, I guess I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I'm kind of looking at number 10, Rob Font. I think that would be a really interesting matchup for Marlon Vera. Um, I don't think Font has fought in a hot minute, um, and it's not quite the step up in competition that a Jimmy Rivera would be because we're talking about a 7 position difference between Vera and uh and Jimmy Rivera but I mean fighting Rob Font we have him at number 10 so it's still it's still a move up of 10 so it's still a significant jump for Vera so you're still rewarding him um but it's not quite the oh why don't you why don't you fight Corey Sandhagen you know what I mean why don't you fight for the title next you know no Marlon Vera is still two or three wins away from you know being right up there but um yeah I'd be really interested in that maybe maybe Cody Stamen Maybe Cody Stamen. Uh, he's at number eleven in our in our rankings. So, I mean, listen. Like I always say, uh, since the the explosion of this bantamweight division, pick any fighter, champion through fifteen, and match them together, and you're gonna have a good fight. So, luckily for Vera, I mean, there's not a, there's not a bad fight out there for him. You know what I mean? There might be, be there might be better ones for him, but there's not bad ones. Um, moving on here in the featured bout. Uh, Jairzinho, Biggie Boy, Rosenstrike, uh, knocks out Junior Dos Santos in the second round. Uh, solid win for JDS. So uh, on the top of the show, I talked about uh, big changes happening in the UFC rankings. Obviously, some shuffling there at bantamweight. But at heavyweight, a lot of changes. A lot of changes here. So um, we still have Daniel Cormier ranked. Just because you never know, I want to. I want to officially see that Daniel Cormier has left the USADA testing pool before I remove him from the heavyweight rankings. Um, just because it's once I pull someone from the rankings, it's a lot of fucking work to bring them back into the rankings. Because then I gotta reevaluate everything. 
Um, so DC, at least for now, not for long though, not for long. He's not, you know what I mean? Because uh, I do believe him that he's retired, but I just want to see him leave the USADA testing pool before I bring him out. Um, so because of that, DC moves from, from one to two, Nganu moves from two to one. So now Nganu is a number one contender. Uh, more relevant to this fight, Rosenstroik was number six. He's now number four. So there was shifting here from four to seven. So Jairzinho from six to four. Derek Lewis from four to five. Junior Dos Santos from five to seven. And Alistair Overeem from seven to six. So four through seven currently is Biggie Boy, The Black Beast, Uberim, and JDS. Um... It's kind of getting concerning for JDS, to be honest. I mean, he's on a three-fight knockout streak, uh, knockout losing streak. That's a little concerning. Now, none of these knockouts on their own have been too particularly damaging. I mean, they were, they were all TKOs. They weren't KOs. He didn't get slept. But I don't know, man. He, he's only 36, so he's not insanely old for heavyweight. We see heavyweight still doing it at 40-41, but... I think maybe the maybe the damage has caught up to him. Maybe he's just facing really good talent, and and you know he's kind of slipped. But uh, maybe the damage has caught up to him. I mean, dude, he's been in some those wars with Cain Velasquez. I know they were seven years ago, but fuck me, I don't know. JDS low key has a lot of knockout losses, and it's it's starting to get a little concerning because what's the path for him to get back to the title? Why are you fighting? Are you fighting for money? Are you fighting just to compete? I don't know why he fights. I know he's mentioned the title uh, after his loss to to Blades, but um, or maybe it was his loss to Nganu. But I don't know, man. I mean, here's the thing: it's 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 the same thing with DC. Listen, JDS could continue fighting for the next five years and probably beat a lot of guys. JDS could probably still beat a ton of guys, but can he beat the top guys? Probably not. So what are we what are we doing here? That's that's kind of the question. I, I don't really know. I mean shit, every fucking loss this guy has is a fucking knockout loss. Like ah, that's a little concerning. I mean the last time he had a loss that wasn't a knockout loss was twenty twelve. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six knockout losses, Jesus. I mean they're the top guys, but that doesn't make a knockout any better for your brain. You know, you know what I mean? Whether or not you get knocked out by the greatest of all time or whether or not you get knocked out by a bum, uh, a knockout is still a knockout on the old on the old brain ski there. So, um, I don't know. Again, I'm never in a position to tell anybody to retire because, quite frankly, I don't give a shit and it's not my body. So, don't, don't particularly care. JDS could keep fighting for 25 years. I couldn't give a shit. He seems like a great guy. Now, my opinion is that he should start to think about retirement but I'm not going to tell him to stop. I don't care. BJ Penn, if he wants to get knocked out every week fighting in Hawaii, couldn't care less. Go for it, bud. But uh, I, I would recommend he retires. So with with JDS, I don't know. I, you know, I don't really know what's... What do you do with this guy? Again, you could, you could, still, you could still have him headline fight nights and still have him win. I mean, he probably could still win against... The Shamil Abdurakimovs and the Blagoy Ivanovs of the world. Yeah, I have no doubt he could probably beat those guys. He probably could even beat the Volkovs and Olenics of the world. Uh, maybe even the Walt Harrises of the world. But, yeah, fuck, I, 
I don't know, man. It's a little sad because JDS is uh, uh, he is a legend of the heavyweight division, um, and uh, he's a really good guy. So you know, I, I don't really take joy in seeing him get uh, viciously, uh, no, not viciously, viciously, but getting knocked out every time. Don't don't take a lot of joy in it. Uh, real quickly, also here on the main card, Daniel Pineda upsets Herbert Burns elbows from the crucifix. Uh, that one's tough. I really thought Burns was going to be, um, my, my lock of the week and, uh, Pineda, just more experience. You know, that was a guy who racked up quite the winning streak outside of the UFC, a guy who's also been in the UFC before, I believe back in 2014. So good win for Pineda. Don't have a whole lot to uh, say about that. Um, oh, also I figure I should, I, I should mention, um, big changes in the light heavyweight division, even though we didn't have a ranked fighter fight. Uh, last Saturday, uh, Corey Anderson going to Bellator. So we updated the rankings. So he was number five. So we moved him out of the rankings, which means everybody below him got a bump up. Everybody below him got a bump up. So Smith, Prohaska, Uzdemir, Rakic, Krilov, Walker, Span, Serkinov, Ankalaev, and Krut all move up one spot. Uh, of course, it would make, well, that makes sense, but you could see the list yourself at northstarsports.media backslash, or forward slash rankings, excuse me. Um, and that also means we had the chance to move up a fighter from the uh, unranked to number 15, uh, which was tough. Honestly, that was tough. There really is no fighter who deserves to be number 15 in the rankings. Um, I believe the UFC has Paul Craig at number 15. We considered Paul Craig, um, but we went with uh, Shogun Hua. We went with Shogun Hua at number 15. There's really just not a good number 15. There's nobody, not that not that the top 14 is stacked, but, you know, trying to find the guy, like, well, you got Khalil Roundtree floating around there, but he's flip-flopping losses. We could have put Paul Craig there, but honestly, you look at Paul Craig, ah, dude, he's still like 3-7 and seven in his last 10 fights. Like, how can I put that guy as the ranked, uh, you know, in the in the ranks? Um, so we, we went Shogun just cause he's winning fights. They're not, they're not high level fights, but he's still winning fights. So I guess we just kind of prioritized wins when we talk about putting a guy in the rankings, but literally anybody gets a win and they're probably ahead of, of Shogun in the rankings and he gets bumped out. But, um, you know, he was a guy who's been in the rankings for a while. I think he was even in our rankings to begin with when we started doing this a few months ago. Um, but just kind of fell out. Um, and I think I saw today that Shogun is scheduled to fight Paul Craig, which I like. You know, they had that split draw back in... Oh, man, I want to say September of 2019. It wasn't that long ago. So I like that. It makes sense to lower-level fighters. Let's put them up together. And I guess the winner of that one gets to keep the number 15 uh, ranking. So I guess if Paul Craig wins that one, I guess he's in the rankings. But... You know, whatever. Not super stacked there at the at the bottom part of the of the light heavyweight division. Uh, moving on here, the main card opener. We had Marab Devalishvili, a unanimous decision victory over John Dodson. Uh, did not watch this fight super closely. I wish I did because I'm a really big fan of Marab, but uh, I was playing. Uh, Fight night with uh, the boy, the fireman, Drew Peterson, uh, the old boxing game, um, which was fun. We also played UFC 4, which is a f- 
button-mashing fucking nightmare. Uh, <laughs> that game is not as good as UFC 3, I can tell you that much. Um, but good for Mirab. I saw the stats post-fight. 2 for 20 on takedowns. So, uh, like I said, I, I predicted Mirab would win, and I predicted um, it would probably not be pretty. And 2 for 20 on takedowns does not sound pretty, but like I said... I don't think Marab gives a flying fuck about stats or looking pretty. I think he just cares about winning. And make no mistake, John Dodson, I know he's losing a lot more fights than he's winning these days, but that's a very solid victory. Again, like I always say, two-time title challenger at flyweight. He's a little bit older, but he's very tricky. He's very tricky. Uh, tricky. Look at what he did to Nathaniel Wood. He still has you know, the ability to be a tough matchup for anybody. And um, we look at the rankings here for the bantamweight division. Uh, we move Mirab from unranked to number 13. So, like I said, Bantamweight is very stacked. I was super sad I couldn't previously have put Mirab Devalishvili in the top 15. I was really sad because he deserved it even after his win over Gustavo Lopez. Um, arguably, Mirab should be undefeated. But, you know... He, he burst through in the rankings here, so he's just under Cody Stamen and Song Yadong. Dodson moves from 13 down to 15. So Dodson still is ranked, but um, just hanging on there. Just hanging on. Um, so props to Marab. I think that dude will be a major... I really do think that dude's going to be a major fucking problem in this division for uh, quite some time. So I'm very excited to see who, who, he, face, who he faces next. I don't think the UFC is in any rush to promote Marab and, and to fly him up the rankings. So, I don't know. Like I just kind of look at the guys directly ahead of him. Rob Font, Cody Stamen, Song Yidong. You know, any of those guys I think would be interesting. I'd be I'd be particularly interested in Cody Stamen. Um, good wrestler, a pretty big guy for bantamweight. Um, in my opinion, I think Cody Stamen should move full-time to, to featherweight. But uh, if he stays here, which I have no reason to think he wouldn't stay here at bantamweight, um, Marab would be a, a solid matchup there um, for both fighters. Stamen trying to get back to his uh, his winning ways, and Marab trying to climb the uh, the rankings. Uh, now here on the prelims, we'll kind of blow through some of these. Vince from Hell Pichel gets a unanimous decision victory over Jim Miller. Uh, good for him. But I didn't really watch that fight too much thought Jim Miller was going to win, but, you know, hey, listen, he, he adds another UFC appearance to his uh, illustrious career, and again, you know, Jim Miller, he's a pretty active fighter. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, Jim Miller, you're not that boring. Uh, I'm just tired of shit, but Jim Miller, you know, uh, he, he's he's up there. I think he's 36, but he's still a very active fighter, so it, it, is, it is possible he breaks the UFC win record, the UFC uh, uh, submission record. Um, although Oliveira is still, you know, around and kicking and, and certainly much younger. Um, so, I mean, not the end of the world for Jim Miller. Didn't realize how old Vince Pichel was. Uh, moving on here, we had a quick round one submission from Verna Jandiroba on Felice Herrig. I think it was ridiculous that Herrig was ranked by the UFC. I th that's just fucking stupid. Makes no sense. Good for Jandiroba. Um, her eyes freak me out. Sorry, not sorry. Fucking... <laughs> She looks like Rob Snyder, to, to steal a joke from uh, uh, the fireman. She, she looks like Rob Snyder, so a little spooky, but, uh, you know, props to her. Solid record, 16-1, and one, so, you know, good for her. Good for her. Uh, Danny Chavez wins by unanimous decision over TJ Brown. Uh, 
did not watch that one because I couldn't give less of a fuck about either fighter. Um, Lavinia Souza wins by unanimous decision over Ashley Yoder. I did watch this one. I did watch this one. Um, it was an okay fight. It, it, it was whatever. Uh, Souza definitely won. Uh, Yoder looked pretty good on the ground, though. I mean, I don't know what they scored that. I want to say it was 30-27. I don't know. I probably would have given Ashley Yoder a round or two. I wouldn't have been mad if Yoder won that one, but they probably got it right with Souza. Uh, Ashley Yoder looked like an Oompa Loompa. Uh, very tan skin and then the green hair. Uh, if you squinted, it, it definitely looked like uh, she was an Oompa Loompa. Um, but you know what? Is that a mean thing to say? Not really, because it's factual. But you know what? She's pretty hot, so, um, you know, don't take it the wrong way. You look like a, a hot Oompa Loompa, so if that if that's any consolation. But um, certainly a fighter that does not belong in the UFC. She's lost four, five of her last seven. Five of her last seven. And one of those wins is a split decision win over uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper. So probably time for her to be cut from the UFC, but, you know, you never know. If, if you look decent, the UFC is going to keep you for uh, keep you for a long time. Look at Paige Van Zant. Look at uh, Kaylin Coran. Look at Rachel Ostovich. You know what I mean? If if you're uh, if you're above an eight, got a good chance of of just having permanent employment in the UFC. If you're above an eight and have an Instagram following, you are you're golden. You're golden. I'm surprised the UFC haven't signed uh, Valerie Lareda yet. That's a big shocker to me. Uh, moving on, we had a actually pretty fucking vicious knockout uh in the heavyweight division chris Dawkins, the brother of kyle Dawkins. so i was right about that i i was too lazy to do the research but i just assumed that uh they look kind of similar and uh that's an unusual last name uh he knocks out parker porter uh the man who once fought john jones parker porter uh fought him oh jesus i can look it up because i got the page right in front of me but probably back in like fucking 2007 he fought john jones um, ah, my computer's going haywire. Very nice. Uh, 2008. 2008, he got knocked out. He got, he got KO'd in 36 seconds by a 4-0 John Jones. So that's interesting. Uh, but he, he got viciously fucking knocked out by Chris Dawkins, I can tell you that much. Um, it looked just kind of like a standard knockout until you saw the angle that wasn't from the back of Dawkins. So when you saw the angle along the cage, ah, I didn't realize how fucking heavy that knee was. That knee, because he, he hits him maybe with a one-two, uh, or maybe it was just one punch. And as he's falling down along the cage, ah, lifts up his knee, and he he did a number on Parker Porter. That knee, ah, as he was falling down, very vicious, very vicious. So good for Chris Dawkins. Um, so sorry, so sad for Parker Porter. Um... They both got weird bodies, I will say that much. Uh, Chris Dawkins, uh, he has the arms. He has the arms, head, and neck of a middleweight, and he has the body of a super heavyweight, so uh, that looks very weird. I think if Chris Dawkins, uh mixed in a salad, he probably would come in as a 205-er. Uh, maybe even a middleweight, to be honest. He has the frame of a middleweight, I will say that. Uh, but good for him. Good for him. Gets it done. Don't know what a knockout over Parker Porter means. And uh, Parker Porter, uh, yeah, he, he also has the body of a super heavyweight. Uh, yeah, don't know what to say. Looks like he was inflated with uh, uh, a bicycle pump. So, uh, I don't know. 
I, I couldn't help but imagine that probably would hinder one's performance, um, all the excess fat. Uh, tends not to help you. Um, I, don't, I don't really care what anybody says. Uh, like, I, like I always say, if, if, if Roy Nelson cared about his, his weight, he would be a middleweight and he probably would be a UFC champion. So, you know what I mean? I think more people... Listen, there's definitely a sweet spot. So, you know, there's certainly fighters you look at where you go, wow, you are cutting way too much weight. I can't help but think that if you just moved up a division, you probably would be a lot healthier and probably have a better gas tank and stuff like that. You know, like a James Vick, like, okay, buddy, is being 6'3 and 155 a good thing? Absolutely fucking not, dude. Uh, a Gleason T-Bow. I think that dude holds the record, um, obviously unofficial, um, for, for the most, uh, the, the, the highest percentage of body weight cut for a fight. I think he fought at 155, and it was something fucking ridiculous, dude. He lost, like, he cut, like, 45 pounds. So, like, hmm, can't help but 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 wonder if, if nearly killing yourself through dehydration has, uh, and then fighting 24 hours later, I, I can't help but wonder if that uh, negatively impacts your performance. Um, but then there's also guys where you go, Huh, you might be you might be just a little too comfortable at your uh, current weight class. Um, maybe if you cared about your diet, uh, you'd do better in the cage. So a Duran win. Um, yeah, you're five foot six and 185 pounds. Um, if you're five foot six, you're a bantamweight. Now I understand bodies are different. Bodies are different. Bodies are weird. So I'm not saying Duran win has to be a bantamweight. I'm not saying he has to be a featherweight. I'm not even saying he has to be a lightweight. But hmm. Uh, yeah, when you take, middleweights can very often be six foot three. So, uh, (laughs) it's going to be like fighting a child, a very strong child, very good wrestling, you know, Oklahoma state guy, but it's going to be like fighting a child. So, uh, you're still going to be incredibly undersized at welterweight, but Hmm, I can't help but wonder if you just lost a little bit of weight, if you couldn't make welterweight tremendously easy, tremendously easy. Uh, not that I care about Parker Porter because this guy had had his cup of coffee in the UFC with this fight. I guarantee he's gone after this one. Um, but I guess we'll we'll go Chris Dawkins because he won. Hmm. I can't help but wondering if wearing a full body suit of fat negatively impacts your performance. Uh, I I I don't know what the ceiling for Chris Dawkins is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what his ceiling is. But you know what I mean. I, I don't know. Kelvin Gastelum. I don't say I don't say this in a in a mean way. Far from it. Far from it. Because I couldn't give a fuck. I don't care if, Ke- dude. I re- like I really don't care. I don't say it in a mean way or to be some type of way. I I really just say it in a clinical way. You know. I guess I might joke about it a little bit. But like Kelvin Gastelum, if if he wants to fight as a heavyweight, dude, I don't fucking care. It's not my career. I, I don't. If people waste talent and 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 you know make bad decisions, I couldn't give a fuck. As long as it doesn't impact me, dude, I really couldn't care. Uh, Duran win, come back and fight as a light heavyweight. I don't give a shit. It's it's not gonna go good for you, but I don't care. But like a Kelvin Gastelum, I'm just saying, you know what I mean. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but I really think I'm not. Kelvin Gastelum, you're five nine and, and 185. You got a little baby fat on you at 185. I know it was tough for you to make welterweight, but I can't help but think. If you get a nutritionist and you really stick to your diet and don't try to cut a whole bunch of weight, you know, two weeks before the fight, maybe if you just get your weight under control, you know, throughout the year, you, you are, you are really, really talented. Now you're pretty undersized at middleweight, 
you're going to be a little bit undersized at welterweight, but, I mean, we've just seen Tyron Woodley, who's 5'9", be a long-time welterweight champ. Um, dude, if, if you got down to, to welterweight, ah, you might be world champ instead of just being a guy who kind of treads water at, at middleweight because that's what he is. He is a guy. It, but you can see it. He has great wins. He really does. He really has beating Weidman. No, he lost to Weidman. Sorry. Um, beating Jacare. Beating... Uh, Belfort, I guess technically that was no contest. Beating Bisping. Wow, these are really high-level wins. But they're at, they're at middleweight, you know what I mean? But then he also has the, the high-level losses at middleweight. So, like, ah, you know what I mean? If, if, if you could get your diet under control, you have... Kelvin Gastelum, make no mistake about it, has every skill it takes. The toughness, the wrestling, uh, you know, the chin. Uh, he's got pretty good striking as well. He has everything it takes... And a lot of the intangibles for what it takes to become a, a, a UFC champion. Just, and you know what? Fuck me if I'm wrong. Fuck me if I'm wrong. And good for him if he proves me wrong. I, you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't care if I was proven wrong. Good for him. Um, you know, but just not to be a, a champion at middleweight. To be a champion at welterweight, I could believe it. I could believe it. But, um, you know, diet, diet's a weird thing. Diet's a weird thing. Uh, and moving on here on the prelim opener, Kai Kamaka the third. Wins by unanimous decision over Tony Kelly. Uh, watched it a little bit. Uh, Kamaka was kind of putting it on him in the first round. I thought that, I'm trying to remember that fight correctly, I believe I thought it might, it, it could have been a 10 8. Um, but Kamaka kind of gassed a little bit late in that second round. Kelly, Kelly was kind of turning it on. I forget what they technically scored it. I want to say it was 29 28 for, um, for KK3. But um, I don't know. Kelly made it close. He did make it close. But, you know, a solid win for the. What is it, the Fighting Hawaiian? I think I called him the Flying Hawaiian, but I, I kind of like that better. Yeah, the Fighting Hawaiian. I mean, you know what? I'm overriding that. I'm overriding that. Kai Kamaka the Third, Fighting Hawaiian, no longer. He's the Flying Hawaiian, because I, I like that better. I like that better. Fighting Hawaiian, I, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I'm sure a lot of Hawaiians are fighters. You know what I mean? Danny Gay, Yancey Medeiros. Uh, Max Holloway, you know, there's plenty of fighting Hawaiians, you know what I mean? Uh, Rachel Ostevich, I mean, by the, okay, yeah, <laughs> Rachel Ostevich, so, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of fucking, um, fuck, who's that guy who fights for the PFL? Uh, Ray Cooper, the third, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, you're, you're the flying Hawaiian, you know what I mean? Because you, you gotta, you gotta fly over to Vegas, you know what I mean? So, uh, he's the flying Hawaiian, in, in my opinion. Uh, but that's going to wrap up our recap here of UFC 252. Uh, great card. Uh, we got a couple of cards upcoming. I, I figure I should just mention. Um, and like I said at the top of the show, uh, they are not very stacked. They are not very stacked. So I'm a little bit concerned uh, that these... Not that they're going to be boring, because most UFC cards, even if they're not stacked, they're still entertaining, but um, certainly don't have the... Uh, the cards all the way uh, as full as they probably should be. Mmm, cold coffee. That's cold coffee's the best. Um, but we have Munoz and Edgar uh, in in the main event uh, next Saturday. Uh, this card might be the worst card of all time uh, when you look at it on paper. Now again, I've said that many times, and then it turns out, oh, some guys I I never heard of put on a good fight. So. A, a very distinct and entirely possible um, possibility, but holy shit, holy shit, this card is 
buns, dude. It is buns. Ovin St. Prue and Alonzo Menefield. Alonzo Menefield coming off of a loss to... Fuck, who was it? It wasn't Trevin Giles. Was it Trevin Giles? No, it was... um. Devin Clark, that's who it is. So, Menefield coming off of a loss uh, is in a co-main event spot. Um, I am interested to see the return of Maria Agapova, but she's taking on Shanna Dobson, who has a record of 3-4. and four. Uh, That's not very good. Mike Rodriguez and Marcin Prochnio. That's okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Mizuki Inoue and Amanda Lemos. Alrighty. Takashi Sato and Daniel Rodriguez. Alrighty, uh, Austin Hubbard and Joe Selecki. That's a uh, that should be a prelim opener, um, and then just guys I've never fucking heard of. So that's, <laughs> boy, I really hope I really hope that Munoz and Edgar make weight because dude, I... <laughs> if they're if they're off the card, this card is just one of the worst of all time. It's really bad, dude. It's really bad. And then the week after that, we have Smith versus Rockich, which it'll be a good fight. It'll be a good fight, but I don't know. Oh, okay, so they technically moved it. I knew this. I knew this was on the main card, but they moved it to the co-main event. Robbie Lawler and Neil Magny. Um, this one's actually, you know what? This one's a little better. This one's a little better. It's still not super amazing, but um, it's a little, little better. They have Hannah Cyphers coming back for another loss. Um, again, another fighter who sh- absolutely should not be in the UFC, just a, a physical liability. Um, Ankalaev and Iwan Kutalaba for probably the seventh time they're going to schedule this fight. Uh, so I'm sure that fight will fall through. Uh, Ricardo Lamas and Ryan Hall, that's actually pretty good. So you know what? The main card on this one um, is actually pretty interesting. So you know what? Uh, that, that That's a bit of a rebound one. But again, you know, is it stacked? And listen... I'm not asking for every card to be stacked, but is there is is there stuff to be excited about? I guess that one passes the test. Uh, September 5th, uh, we have Overeem and Sakai in a main event. Not too thrilled about that one. The co-main event, Michelle Pajeda and uh, Zalim Imadayev. Never heard of that guy. Nico Montano's coming back. Um, that one's really bad, actually. That one is uh, not good. Not good. Uh, we do have the return of Kama Worthy. So I do like that, but that one's pretty buns uh, as well. And then we have Santos and Teixeira. So they're, they're really packing in the fight nights here. Uh, pretty much, I guess, as we preview the fall here. Uh, but not too deeply because, you know, things will change. But Santos and Teixeira, that one will be a fucking barn burner. I can't wait for that. Glover Teixeira, kind of on the upswing, had the dominant victory over uh, Anthony Smith. And then Santos, first fight back after the split decision lost to John Jones, you know, complete, I mean, dude, his knee injury, it wasn't even a knee injury, it was a leg injury, because, dude, I think he, like, he tore, like, his ACL, his MCL, his PCL, he had, like, a, not an ulnar, because that's, I think that's your arm, but he had, like, a fibula, is that your leg? He had a leg fracture as well, like, his entire knee was fucked, so I'm very interested to see him uh, coming back, and then, the following week, the, the week before, because they pushed back 253, Covington and Woodley, that's that's going to be a good one. Even though Woodley's on a little bit of a, a downturn here, I love watching Colby Covington fight, and that's going to be a, a good one, even if it is probably another 50-45 ass-whooping that's, that's rained down on Woodley, but you know what I mean? Um, it's the grudge match that should have happened 
two years ago. Uh, but listen, you know, if Tyron Woodley wins that fight, Covington's, I think he's ranked number two. Uh, he's certainly, well, I could pull up uh, our rankings. Yeah, he's number two in our rankings. Um, fuck, I don't know if Woodley wins this one. He's kind of right back. I don't want to say in title contention, but he's right back. He's right back in the top three. You know what I mean? So uh, that's 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 interesting. Um, but enough previewing random UFC fight night uh, cards. I wanted to close here on this controversy, the non-troversy, on um, Fernando Tati Jr. Uh, last night he hit a uh, grand slam on a 3-0 and pitch, and uh, people are mad about that. I don't know why. Uh, probably because they're fucking nerds. Uh, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my assessment of the situation. Uh, baseball. A lot of nerds. A lot of nerds. Nothing wrong with nerds. But, you know, when, when, when people are nerds about baseball... I don't know, man. Baseball is just such a fucking stupid sport, to be honest with you. I could fix baseball. I could fix baseball in a year. If I just had, you know, if I was just a wizard and I could wave a wand and just, you know, make, I would only need like six changes, maybe even three. I'd prefer like 10, you know what I mean? To get down to like the nitty gritty, but dude, I could completely fix baseball. I could make baseball the most popular sport in the fucking world. And I've done a show on it. I've done a show on it. So be sure to check that out. Uh, it's somewhere in, in the podcast feed. Uh, appropriately labeled. I think it's the mailman fixes baseball. Uh, probably did that about 20 shows ago, but, um, there's so many unwritten rules in baseball. So baseball, there are cool dudes in baseball. There are cool fans of baseball. I'm I'm not trying to paint, you know, an overly simplistic broad stroke approach of, of baseball and its culture, but there's a lot of fucking nerds and there's a lot of boomers and both suck. Both suck when it comes to sports. Oh, that's an unwritten rule. You don't hit a home run on a three and all count. You don't hit a... You just sit there and take the pitch. What, excuse me? Why, why, what's wrong with hitting a 3-0 grand slam? Well, you're not supposed to do that. Why? Go fuck yourself. Texas manager Chris Woodward was quoted as saying, there's a lot of unwritten rules that are constantly being challenged in today's game. Yeah, Chris Woodward, you're a fucking nerd. Why don't you settle down there, buddy? Your team fucking sucks. How about you focus on putting a better team together? Dude, you, you got smoked in that fucking game. How about you worry about putting together a lineup that is actually a major league lineup? Like, to, to say you don't like Grand Slams on a 3-0 and pitch count is equally as fucking stupid as me saying Grand Slams are only legitimate on a 1-2 and count. Why is that? Well, just because they are, because it's a 1-2 and count. Grand Slams are, are legit on 1-2 and counts. Grand, Grand Slams are not legit on two and two counts. That's fucking stupid. What the fuck? That's why the fuck would you hit a home run on a on a two and two count? That's not legitimate. That's stupid. That's an unwritten rule. Yeah, unwritten rules are fucking stupid. Baseball's fucking stupid for that matter. To be incredibly <laughs> frank about it. So, <laughs> all right. Who who cares? This is why baseball's so fucking dumb, dude. I mean, this mind-bogglingly stupid. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to sit there. And Johnny Bench had a great tweet about this, where he was saying. Uh, he was pretty much giving um, uh, Tati Jr. props, saying, okay, so 3-0 and count. You're, sp- you're not supposed to hit a home run on a 3-0 and count. You're supposed to sit there and take it. So, all right, I let a strike go by, 3-1 and count. Okay, next pitch, pitcher throws a great off-speed pitch. Now it's a 3-2 and count. Oh, okay. So now I just was ahead in the count. I had the advantage. Now it's a 3-2 and count. Perfect. Now I'm ready to ground into a double play. Like... Okay, I mean, Jesus Christ, we fucking care about the fucking pitch count now? Like, 
I don't even know what to say anymore, honestly, about baseball. Baseball, I mean, uh, baseball fans don't change their underwear. They don't change their socks because they're so adverse to change. Everything has to be exactly the same. Oh, my God. We have seven-inning doubleheaders? Oh, that's not how baseball was intended to be played. Yeah, baseball also wasn't intended to be played during a fucking pandemic. So, you know you know what I mean? If we make changes, uh, sometimes you got to roll with the punches, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we can't have a 15-inning baseball game. Dude, people don't have the fucking attention span to watch a four-hour baseball game, dude. Oh, you're cr- dude, you're crying about doubleheaders being seven innings? I think all baseball games should be seven innings. How about that? How do you like them apples? I think every single fucking baseball game from fucking little leagues to the fucking pros should be seven innings. Why, why do we play nine? What do we play nine? What the fuck are those two extra innings for? Is the game not decided after seven? Sometimes it's not. But, like, dude, I don't... Not even just me. Dude, nobody has the attention span to watch... Like, I've said this so many times, whether it's on WRFW or whether it's here on North Star Sports. Dude, okay. So, suppose I'm a fan of the Twins, which is a novel concept, because imagine being fans of a of an organization that just, you know, fucking historically sucks. Um, you know, over the last 15 years or 10 years, um, ever since I got in that new field, but okay. Now, now they're relevant again. Okay. So we got the Bomba squad now. You know what I mean? We're, we're cool. We're hot shit. Okay. So now I'm a twins fan. All right. It, it's a little, we'll, we'll go last year. Cause this year's obviously different. Cause I mean, it's the pandemic. I mean, everything's different, but okay. So now I'm a fan. So we play 162 games. First of all, why the fuck do we play 162 games? That's far too many games. Are you telling me the season isn't decided after a hundred games? 120 games, 140 games. So I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it should be a, it, we, we should only play 16 games. It should be a baseball season or a football season. No, no, no. But no, no, no. We need to play 120 games. If not 100. Why the fuck do we play 162 games? Just because some old fucking people said we had to? No, I, I, I don't care. You should assess everything as as either it's good or bad, not just the way we've done it. That's, that's all of baseball, just the way we've done it. But okay, I'm a fan of the Twins, so I, I'm going to watch all 162 games because I'm a big fan. I want to watch my team play. Okay, so for more than a third of the year, I mean, we're playing pretty much every single day. Every, pretty much every single day. Um, well, I guess that's damn near half the year, 162 games. Um, I don't know, I'm fucking terrible at math, but you know. From from April to fucking September, I gotta watch this team. I gotta watch them every day. Not only do I have to watch this team every single day if I'm a fan, I have to de- I have to devote four hours a fucking day to watching this this team. Otherwise, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Number one, baseball is boring anyway. The the pace of the game is just way too slow, way too slow. So I gotta watch it slow. For for what is it? I forget. It wasn't Rasmussen, but um, they 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 did the study where. For every three and a half hours of uh, of a baseball game going on, there's only seven or eight minutes of actual action in the game. So I have to watch eight minutes of pretty boring action too. I mean, it's just a pitch most of the time. It's just a pitch or a ground out to third. Not even interesting shit. So I have to watch eight minutes of mildly interesting at best work over three and a half hours and I got to do that every single fucking day. Dude, that's a part-time job. 
that's a part-time job to watch to, to be a fan of a, of a baseball team and to watch every game and every game might be extreme but even say you watch 140 or 120 of the games you know what i mean say say every once in a while you miss a game dude that's still a fucking full-time job now say your team is dog shit say your team's not even interesting like the bomba squad okay interesting because you know i might be able to watch two home runs a game dude say your team is like fucking 2012 twins so now i gotta watch a dog shit team with terrible pitching and no batters and terrible fielding i gotta i gotta have a part-time job watching them and i don't even get paid to do it what the fuck no and i gotta watch them for nine innings hell no so you know what i mean baseball is just screwed baseball is a dying sport baseball will not be around in its current capacity in in 25 years unless they make major changes which which they probably won't because they're so adverse to change the best thing to happen for for baseball fans is that all these boomers who are fans you just disregard them you you just you just i don't give a shit about anybody whose demographic is, is over 40 we're only listening to we're only listening to 35 30 and under and and that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna fix the sport and i think if you listen to, the, to that demographic hmm, i think this i think the sport gets improved but again to, to kind of wrap it up here with this unwritten rules don't don't hit a don't hit a home run uh on a three and oh pitch okay am, am i also not supposed to get a double play with zero outs because you're only supposed to get double plays with with one out because you got to end the inning on a double play whatever these people are so fucking baseball and whatever what are these people going to do about it what, what is what is chris woodward going to do about it oh it was an unwritten rule okay what are you going to do about it are you going to are you going to charge the the mound and fight me okay like what what are you gonna do about this unwritten rule yeah you know you know what should be an unwritten rule uh having a sports league that allows teams to spend like three times as much as other teams having having teams having teams that can spend 400 million dollars in payroll and 100 million dollars in dead money like the dodgers and the yankees and the red sox ah that there should be an unwritten rule against that actually there should be written rules against that to to be honest there should be written rules against that Oh, there should be unwritten rules about um, signing 14-year-old Dominican players and owning their rights, and then the the second you become a relevant team, you trade that 17-year-old, uh, you know, to to Kansas City, or you trade them to Cincinnati or to lower market teams for for better players. Uh, again, I'm not. Uh, that sounds like something to me. I don't know what that sounds like. I mean, I don't know. You might have to look that up in the dictionary. I don't know what that sounds like. Uh, signing signing a poor person who's very young from a country and owning their rights and then trading them just because you can and signing pretty much infinite amount of those players because you have so much more international money than people i don't know that sounds like something to me i don't what is that slate hmm i don't know that sounds like something you probably you probably should look it up that sounds kind of sleazy to me i don't know if that's it's certainly legal because they're doing it but hmm is that is that super ethical of the dodgers and the yankees to do Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I might have to take a class on ethics to try to figure that one out. But, you know, signing and trading, uh, you know, poor 14-year-old Dominicans. Mm. Scratching my beard here. I don't know. Is that cool? Is that cool? I don't know. It must be cool because the Dodgers do it. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. That sounds a little sleazy to me. So, you know what I mean? Fuck big market teams. For the most part, screw 
any of these old head baseball fans, I mean, whatever, you're going to die at some point and, you know, then we can move on with the, with the sport, but you know, oh, you can't pimp a home run. Who fucking cares? Pimp a, pimp a home run, hit a home run on a three and oh count. Fucking who cares, dude? Have fun. Imagine how I couldn't even imagine to be honest, cause I have fun with my life, dude. I don't let shit like this and again, I'm just I'm just talking about it because it's relevant and this is a sports show. But I, to be honest, I couldn't give a shit because baseball is not my sport, so it doesn't bother me. I couldn't care less. Uh, it's just a talker for the for for radio. But like, dude, can you imagine how fucking boring these people are, dude? Can I would never, I would never hang out with someone who got offended by someone hitting a, a home run on a three and count, and not. Uh, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't hang out with them because of that individual decision. I'm just saying, if you're someone who makes that individual decision uh, to be offended about that, you're probably boring as fuck to start out with. You know what I mean? So it's not me being petty and saying that. It's just saying, well, if A is true, B, B and C are probably also true. If if you get offended by a three and O home run, you're probably a dickhead on multiple levels and just a buzzkill. So you know what I mean? I could never be friends with someone like that because you're probably you're probably just boring, dude. You know what I mean? that that's that's the thing man like you're just boring oh we can't juice baseballs why because it'd be too fun because <laughs> it'd be too fun you you're not allowed to have that much fun listen baseball is designed to be boring and i'd buy it but baseball is designed to be boring we well, juicing baseballs what what do you want too many home runs you want to have too much fun oh home runs the funnest part of baseball you want to have too many of those what the hell no you want to eat steak for dinner every night? Ugh, gross. Uh, even, like I said, if I were to fix baseball, the mailman were to fix baseball, dude, I'd legalize PEDs. Oh, what? You don't want people on PEDs? You don't want people having fun and hitting home runs in a non-contact sport? Again, if you take PEDs in a contact sport, like football, you're a fucking scumbag, dude. You're a scumbag. You probably, honestly, you you that probably should be like a criminal offense, to be honest. Um, but, but in, in tennis or in golf or in, I guess I don't know why you take steroids in golf, but you know what I mean? In, in baseball where there's zero contact, dude, who fucking cares? Who cares? There was never contact in baseball to begin with, but ever since, what was it? 2014 or 2015 where, where you can't run the catcher. That's the only, and that's even like a super rare thing in a baseball game, but okay. I guess technically in a, a specific rare scenario, it could be a contact sport. Now that you took that away, dude, let them juice to the fucking gills. You know what I mean? Oh, no, we, we don't want baseball to be too fun. If baseball became too fun, we actually might start making money and actually start developing young fans. We don't want to do that. Let's just let the NBA and the NFL take all these and, and the UFC. Let's let them take all the new young fans with money. We, we want the old heads who have uh, a lot of money because they're old and they've you know been saving up money. But we want all the old heads who spend no money. We, we, that, that's my market. People who don't spend money. People who, whose sports takes are irrelevant. Old people. Old people's sports takes are irrelevant. So, you know, whatever. Um, but we'll, we'll wrap it up here because I guess I'm just going a little long on uh, fucking old people and baseball nerds. But, um, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. So, again... Uh, it'd be cool if you checked out NorthStarSports.media. A lot of cool stuff on there. Obviously, the rankings are a, a big thing we do. Um, but again, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll probably talk uh, heavily uh, about John Jones and just kind of um, 
you know, whatever, whatever's in the news, I'm sure something will break. I'm sure another stupid baseball thing will, will happen. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out something to talk about. Uh, probably talk about uh, the contender series as well. Cause I know that's going to go on in a couple of hours from now. So we'll probably talk contender series, John Jones, maybe just, you know, UFC news is always happening. So, um, it'll probably be a grab bag, um, of sorts, but until then, thanks for tuning in everybody.